electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. If you want to make friends, I'm just trying to make you a little money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Okay, enough with the taper tape, all right? When it comes to things you should worry about right now, the Fed tapering its bond purchases, I mean, honestly, it should be pretty low on your list. Hence why I'm ripping the tape off my face with nary a whit of pain. See any tears, let alone a tantrum? Well, which is something I used to throw at my old hedge fund whenever I was wrong. I mean, mostly because I was also uh, really kind of uh, unmedicated. On a day when the averages started weak and then recovered, the Dow ultimately gaining 110 points to a record, the SP advancing 0.26%. That's not a bad comeback to an all-time record close. NASDAQ declining 0.21% party pooper. I need you to understand why I am not that concerned about all this Fed chatter. All anyone was talking about was how the tapering is happening sooner than expected, how much it would hurt. Didn't hurt at all, but I ripped it off. Supposedly bad news for the market, but that ultimately drove the Dow up 100 points. I mean, bring on... Bring on the duct tape, right? I mean, the taper talkers need some taper tape. More importantly, I disregard this kind of talk because I take my cue from the birds. Who doesn't? Turn, turn, turn. To everything, turn, turn, turn. There is a season, turn, turn, turn. A time to buy the industrials, a time to sell the banks, a time to bid for health care, a time to dump the tax. Turn, turn. I mean, a trade for every market under heaven. Yep. Why not get biblical? People keep trading in and out of these groups because they're afraid to miss the next move. That's what's behind it. So a season that might have been acceptable two weeks ago, like buying the extremely expensive tech stocks with sky-high price-to-sales multiples, has been replaced with a season to buy the utilities, the consumer packaged goods plays, and the homeowners. Now, there's a tendency to ascribe magical powers to these rotations. You hear stuff like, the Nasdaq's going down because the Fed's going to signal something this week about tapers, so sell the semis. Or the utilities are up big because bond yields are down because of the Delta variants going up because vaccination uptake is down and there's a slowdown in China. So go buy PepsiCo, Procter & Gamble, or Duke. Okay. None of this is stupid, but I think the analysts focus on the Fed 
is a textbook case of, yep, let's bring it out again. This is lazy thinking. It's like when I was a date, when I was a reporter, they would look at the day book and they say, Jim, go cover a probe of the rackets. It's so easy for money managers to listen to the Fed governors or regional Fed presidents, then try to divine what they might say compared to what Jay Powell's been saying. Then you try to extrapolate, extrapolate whether Powell might change his mind and to what degree. It is the perfect parlor game. There's just one problem. All this close reading of remarks from various Fed heads makes you no money. It's chatter. You know what it's like? It's like the game of Clue. Chairman Powell in the library with the duct tape or tape. No. Okay. So if it's all about the Fed, what do we care about? Let me give you my list. All right. If it's not the Fed, it's this. First off, I care about the state of the consumer. Now, this is the big earnings week for retailers. I think American consumers are like hot coals with Congress throwing gasoline on a Kingsford's. That would be very good for Clorox. So when we hear from Walmart, Lowe's, Home Depot, and Target, we have to hope that they aren't killjoys who equivocate by saying, who knows what the Delta variant will bring. I mean, that's kind of the reason why the stock of Airbnb, a company I absolutely love, got poleaxed. I said, well, things look good. Would have been a lot better. So memo to retailers, when you report, say the consumer remains flush. We aren't concerned about the Fed. We look forward to more people returning to work, but they'll still be spending a lot of time at home. And there's plenty to do now that we know the home is for the office. You stick to that script, retailers, and you are home free. Oh, by the way, it has the added edge of being true. Second, I care about how much Afghanistan actually matters. Did we just abandon an important ally that needed our help? Or did we abandon a sinking ship that was always going to be unsalvageable? Does the withdrawal matter to the rest of our foreign policy? Or was any a 20-year war of special circumstances? I don't know the answers. I'm bad money. But it matters because we've got an important strategic ally in Taiwan, where a huge portion of our semiconductors are made. And China keeps putting more and more pressure on them. I don't see Taiwan giving in anytime soon. You know, their government is pretty hostile to the Chinese Communist Party. But if President Biden blinks... Who knows what could happen? For the most part, the big money's betting that this won't matter. We know that because less expensive tech stocks didn't plummet. They went up. Apple was incredibly strong all day, all-time high, even as the semiconductor stocks did get hit, possibly due to the Taiwan connection. Own Apple, don't trade it, please. Third, the stock market's saying that the Delta variant can run its course, like it did in the United Kingdom or even India, where people either got vaccinated or they rapidly got infected. My fear is that this could be wishful thinking. We've got way too many anti-vaxxers who are fighting for the freedom to get sick. But uh, Wall Street's shrugging off any restrictions as indoor activities, as though they'll definitely be short-lived. Thank heavens for Generon and the monoclonal antibody drip that gets you out of the hospital fast, not to mention the Binax Now test from Abbott that keeps you at home so you don't spread the virus. And that's very important. Both stocks are good best, by the way, in the continued incompetence of the CDC and the FDA. I love those. Isn't that great? CDC, FDA, and Compton. I like that. Because everyone else is afraid to say it. I guess I should be afraid. Anyway, fourth, long-term interest rates are going down is good for the goose. And that's home buyers and anyone else who needs to borrow money. But bad for the gander, anyone in the business of lending money. So a time to buy one R, a time to sell J.P. Morgan? Maybe, given that buying a house is still pretty cheap relative to rent and mortgage rates are ridiculously low. If you've got enough cash for a down payment, by the way, this is just a fantastic time to buy some real estate. Honestly, I think almost any piece of property might be better than the vast bulk of stocks that I follow. Midland! Fifth, low-priced earnings multiples are in and high-priced earnings uh, sales. High-priced high earnings, not earnings, but sales. These companies don't have any earnings. Those are the, avo- the ones that people avoid. Now, this is a very hard turn, 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 because it's out of sync with everything else except the idea that the market's 
gotten tired of absorbing all these money-losing IPOs and wants the safety of cheap stocks with dividends and more important buybacks. We've seen this behavior before when there's too much supply, but a stock glut ultimately tends to be bad for everything. We've taken down so many new offerings that it's hard to remember from them from one day to another, although uh, that's even more of a reason to stick with the tried and true. Six, regular big cap stocks that have good dividends are now loved for their yields versus bonds. Johnson Johnson, PepsiCo, Bristol-Myers, that kind of thing. Remember when I used to say, what's that got to do with the price journeys multiple Bristol-Myers? Well, you just need to substitute Afghanistan. What's Afghanistan got to do with the price earnings multiple of Bristol-Myers? Nothing. Finally, because if we're talking about important things like taper, let's get really granular, okay? Jimmy Chill's dill pickles aren't as good as his sauce, of which there is none better. Okay, maybe that's not as important as the taper tape. Maybe this just tastes like cucumbers and vinegar. I kid you not. But uh, it's more important than a tantrum any day of the week, especially because I simply can't get the recipe right. I got an idea. Maybe we should short the stock of Pinterest. Listen, all I'm really trying to do here is explain that there are many seasons to this market and to not scare you, to not fret you out of this market, to not make it so that you sell good stocks because some chatter about something that's not going to matter a thing to you. Okay? But the most important thing to remember is that it's a rotation or a turn. The market stays in no matter what because it's just got money that's dedicated to stocks, jumping from one group to another. Hence the Dow finishing positively after opening sharply lower. The bottom line, okay, face it. Let's face it here. The bottom line, if you really think the whole market's poised to get hammered because of the temper, tape, whatever, tantrum, we haven't had a 5% decline in 200 days. You should use that to gradually do some buying into weakness like we had in this morning. What a great time. And you especially want to buy when a stock's getting crushed by a sector rotation as people are so, so worried and talking endlessly about something that honestly should be no more to you than my bad pickles, my good sauce, or this. Don't worry. It will have its turn soon enough. Says it all, doesn't it? I didn't go to college to get stupid. Terry in Washington, please. Terry. Buckeye Booyah, Jim. How are you? I am good. How about you? Hey, thank you for letting me retire early. I retired at 58 by using your advice, buddy. Holy cow. That I love. Because that's why I'm still out here at 87 doing this darn show. (laughs) I look great for an 87-year-old. Let's just put that out there. All right, go ahead. How can I help? Hey, I got a new acronym for you. Dr. Carps. What's that? DoorDash. Roku, Chipotle, Affirm, Robinhood, PayPal, and my favorite Square. Jim, when's a good time to get in to buy Square? Um, well, you got a lot of baggage there. Those are all the stocks I read about constantly, though. Um, I like Square right here. Why? Because every time I think that they've come up with something, the last thing that they've come up with, they come up with something else. And I remember when Jamie Dimon gave a talk, and, oh, by the way, CEO of uh, the big one, uh, J.P. Morgan, and he said, like, why? Well, he basically said, like, why can't I be Square? I mean, talk about temper tantrum. I mean, I want to be Square. Okay. Sorry. You're not. Let's go to Patricia in Illinois, please. Patricia. Hi, Jim. First of all, I think you're a terrific guy and very knowledgeable. Thank you for all the great advice you give us. Oh, just a second. Then- just a second. I got to get my wife on the phone. She's been really down on me. <laughs> this could really help me. She's got a lot of family standing at the place. I made one comment. What the hell? You go- never mind. Never mind. We'll get away from that. Go ahead. Several weeks ago, you had on the CEO of Steve. 
Skin, S-K-I-N. I wanted to see if you still think that's a buy. Yeah, it was the executive chairman, Brent Saunders. He used to run uh, a company that we liked very much called Allergan. And I thought it sounded spectacular, frankly. Uh, I haven't used one of the spa treatments. I did go to a spa recently, and they were doing a scrub, and they scrubbed my eye. And then I spent a lot of money going to the eye doctor. Apropos of absolutely nothing. Okay, now, I'm saying it. This is it. Now you got to... Get some of this, all right? And put it on your ears so you don't have to listen anymore. Enough with the taper tape. We don't even identify with the word tantrum. Here are the things that I care about more than the Fed's tapering of bond prices. And I got to tell you, between this and the uh, taper tantrum, always go with Jimmy Dill, all right? Yes, because I am a big deal. Ah. And remember, there are many seasons in this market, so don't be afraid to do some gradual buying. We just like we had at the opening today. Oh, and the market's never down. You got your chance. On Mad Tonight, Apple Lovin was one of this year's largest IPOs. But after recent volatility, could investors start loving this technology play again? Hey, why don't we bring on the CEO? And the infrastructure package coming out of Washington is going to produce some new winners on Wall Street. And I know which ones they are. And the liquor business has continued to prosper amid the pandemic. So why don't we check them in? Not Justin Trade here. Jim Beam maker Suntory to see where the industry stands because, man, you can clean up on alcohol. And that's despite the Delta variant. So I want you to stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash mad money. Just go to Indeed.com slash mad money right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mad money. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
couple months ago, we fielded a homework question about one of the year's largest IPOs, a company called AppLovin, which is a mobile game company that also makes software tools for other mobile app developers. This, by the way, is a great business. I told you that they had something going here, but I also warned you to wait for the stock to come down because this kind of sliver IPO often ends up being incredibly volatile as traders brace themselves for more shares to hit the market. In other words, they only let a little bit go at the beginning. Sure enough, since then, AppLovin's pulled back from 81 to 55, and the business has gotten better. When you look at the quarter they just reported, this company's doing incredibly well. They had 123% revenue growth, for heaven's sake. Uh, while the stock initially rallied 8.5% the next day, it quickly reversed and gave up all of its gains. Some of that's because AppLovin declined to raise its full-year forecast, and they have an odd forecasting method. Some of it is because investors are worried about Apple's new privacy rules that make it harder to do targeted advertising. Some of it really doesn't even apply to most of AppLovin's businesses. My one concern is that the lockup on insider selling is about to end. All the shares will become available for trading in a couple of tranches over the course of the next, uh, not that near future. And that's never good news. If the stock gets hit, though, it could be worth buying in weakness, given its incredibly strong growth and terrific margins. But do not take it from me. Let's check in with Adam Ferrugi. He is the co-founder, chairman, CEO of AppLovin to learn more about the quarter and what he sees going on forward. Mr. Ferrugi, welcome to Mad Money. Hey, thanks for having me, Jim. Excited to be here. Well, I got to tell you, sir, many people come on this show and they say they have a flywheel and they don't mean it. They don't mean it. It's like just a group of, uh, uh, of disp- disparate businesses. But you've truly cobbled together a company that actually every business works better with the other. I want you to tell people about it. Yeah, for sure. So it really has to do with we built a marketing platform for app marketing and monetization tools over the last decade. And then three years ago, we saw an opportunity to get into games, build a games business that could get large scale reach and get us first party data. They could then fuel our software to become better for advertisers we work with. And that's exactly what we've executed on. Actually, you mentioned our overall growth was 123%. What we're most excited about in our business is that the software platform grew over 250%. We did $200 million in software revenue last year. We're trending to clear $600 million this year. So it's all the pieces coming together and, as you said, making them better. Now, it's important for people to know you're not some company that's sitting there losing boatloads of money while you grow. No, not at all. So this is a great part about our business is that every incremental dollar of software revenue that we report has incredibly high margin. We really don't have costs associated with it. So actually, in the last quarter, if you dissect our numbers, we beat revenue estimates that were out there by about $30 million, and we cleared EBITDA estimates by about $30 million. The software revenue converts almost one for one to bottom line. And that's hugely impactful as we see tons of growth ahead of us for that software business. Now, there are these people who keep thinking that Apple's new privacy rules impact you badly. But you have an incredible amount of what's known as first party data. People stay at your site. I don't understand why people extrapolate that App Lovin's got to be the company that's being hurt. You know, I'd, I'd love to say we were skilled on this, but I think we got a little lucky. But we did have the foresight to know first party data creates an advantage in marketing software. And that's why we got into games. We now have over 200 million players playing our games every month. We've gotten first-party data on hundreds of millions of consumers over time. That feeds into the software paired with our machine learning that we really launched and executed on a year ago. The business is accelerating on all fronts. Well, I want to talk about that machine learning because you made an acquisition, um, Axon. And it was the kind of thing, again, I see companies make acquisitions. I can't figure out what the hell they're doing. This one seems to have really accelerated your, your growth. 
So Axon actually was homegrown, built up by our engineering team. And really, the, it came together last September. And the platform wasn't using our first-party data before. So what we did was we started building this, these models. They could become smarter at figuring out what app to match consumers up with. And that's accelerated the growth in the business every quarter since, really outsized rates. Quarter over quarter, actually, Q2 over Q1, we grew the software business sequentially over 60%. That's unheard of in software. First half of the year, we drove almost 2 billion app installs. The consumers downloaded discovering great new content off of our platform. And we're very excited about what lies ahead. Okay, now I do want people to, to I don't want to infuse it in temper because the stock has come down even though you reported a great quarter. But there, are, there is stock uh, that will be for sale. We know that. It's no sin. I mean, your company's been around since 2012. It's okay to have a liquidity event for people. But I do want them to know, I mean, you didn't just start two years ago and dump it stock. I do want people to know that there's a possibility that some stock will come in for sale, and that could make it so that people have, a, let's say, a better chance if it does come in. If they don't sell, then obviously this is the bottom. Look, 20% of the shares came lockup free on Friday, and you're still seeing low volume and right. very little drop from there. And the reality is the company's closely held. I'm the biggest individual shareholder, and I bought last quarter at $60, and around $60. And the other reality is our software business went from 200 last year to 600 plus this year. So we're confident we're going to hit a billion dollars plus in software revenue next year. And the market's not even absorbing this high growth of a software business. There aren't many in the world at that scale, at that high a growth rate. So as people start appreciating how strong our business is, you're going to see this as a great value buying opportunity. Well, well the last thing, I, I, we cover all the gaming companies. I kind of feel like that they are, um, you, you know, when it used to be on a disc, you down, then you download it. And now you, you really, App Lovin's kind of leapfrogged everybody. Is that a, an accurate depiction of what other guys are doing in mobile gaming versus you? I mean, we hope so, right? Like the advantage we have is we're not just building games and trying to make a business model from the games. We have this marketing platform that lets us monetize the data from our audience in our games. And we're giving consumers a huge benefit. We're helping them with their data, discover new content that they can go download and engage with. So we're driving up all parts of our ecosystem. And that economic advantage is massive in a very fragmented and highly competitive market. And it's why we were able to grow the gaming side of the business zero to over $2 billion in just three years. Well, that's just incredibly impressive. I was so glad that a caller pointed it out to me. There's so many new companies. This one is very exciting. That's Adam Ferrugi, the co-founder, chairman, and CEO of AppLove. And thank you, sir. It's great to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. There's all these fabulous companies that are just doing so well. They're growing so fast. They're making money. It is hard to keep track of them. But our viewers do. And this was one where, frankly, I am uh, in awe of the growth that this company's generating. They have money's back in. Coming up, can it really be an infrastructure bill with some bite? Kramer goes off the charts with the bill's big winners next. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. 
With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Now that the big bipartisan infrastructure bill looks almost like a sure thing, or at least as close as you can get to a sure thing in American politics these days, we got to talk about how you can still make money from it. Now, many of these stocks have already rallied ridiculously because it's very clear who will benefit. But that doesn't mean that they don't have more room to run. We're talking about nearly a trillion dollars of spending on roads, on bridges, rails, the electric grid, broadband, mass transit, ports, among many other upgrades. Honestly, we should have done this years ago. We know that. But how about this? Better late than never. The thing is, there's over a decade of spending in here, which that a decade, not a month, not a quarter, but a decade, which means major long term gains for all the companies that can feed at the federal trough. And like I said before, though, they've already run. Don't be surprised. So how do we figure out the infrastructure plays with the most upside from these levels? All right. To answer that, we got to go to Bob Lang. That's right. Bob Lang is the founder of ExplosiveOptions.net, as well as being the brilliant technician in the all-star duo behind Street.com's Trifecta Stocks newsletter. He's also the author of Know Your Options, and he's made us a lot of money over the years, hasn't he? All right, well, why don't we start with Martin Marietta Materials? That's the rocks and asphalt company that's maybe the most straightforward winner from this infrastructure package. We've had them on. I love these guys. When you see $110 billion for roads and bridges, a decent chunk of that is going to actually go to this company. No wonder the daily chart's been on fire lately. Lang points out that you got a solid pattern of higher lows. We love this, right? Higher lows and higher highs. Action recently forming. Oh, boy. Yes, the W that so many of us crave. Uh, and that's followed usually by a very big breakout. Now, I want you to look at this line called the chicken money fly. Okay, look, this is how perfect. This is, this is like um, a Rothko here. Uh, it's an indicator that shows you whether big institutions are buying or selling. You see strong money flow here over the past couple months. On the other hand, the RSI, or Relative Stock Index, on the bottom, it shows that Martin Mayer is now in overbought territory. Uh-oh. Now, that could often signal a, a top, right? Maybe it went up too far too fast. Sometimes, though, overbought stocks simply stay overbought when they're really good stocks. Is that possible here? Lang likes that Martin Marietta's been rallying on heavy volume. And so you take a look at the volume, right? Now, I know that it looks light until you go, you know, go like that. Look at that. There's low volume right there. It's rallying on heavy volume. Well, you might want to let the stock cool off short term, and that's always possible. Lang thinks this is a $300 name that could run to $500. So what you would do, probably freaks people out if it goes below that, held to that, buy it. I don't blame you if you want to wait for a pullback. All these you might want to wait for a pullback. No, no, that's not fair because there's a rail that you might want to go right now. Next up, 
Deere. That's right, John Deere. Ports later next week. Everybody knows Deere is a company that makes farm equipment, but they also have a construction equipment business that could benefit enormously from this bill. That's one reason that stock's been absolutely on fire since mid-June. Just like Martin Marietta, Deere's got bullish money flow and relative strength index is overbought. Okay, so look at this. Shaking money flow. Amazing. Relative strength index is overbought here. Uh, Lang says you should look for the stock to make a move past earnings. If we get any kind of dip, he thinks it's a buying opportunity. I totally agree. I worked on this company because of the food stamp story this week. It, it, it could make a rough, uh, a new high, roughly 17 points from here. I, this is my favorite, okay? I just, when I did the work on it this weekend because of the food stamps, remember Biden's uh, upping the amount of money for food stamps. It just keeps coming back to deer, road construction deer. I have a deer. Yeah, can you believe it? I can actually operate it. I mean, what a simple machine. All right, now how about Union Pacific, the big West Coast Railroad, which I cannot operate. These guys benefit from the $66 billion in rail investments and the $17 billion for upgrading our ports. Now, we got an enormous backlog on the West Coast. Now, anything that makes it easier to import goods means more cargo for Union Pacific. If you've ever been out there, you know it is just a staging ground for Union Pacific. Lang points out that the stock's been trading in a box since March. Here's the box. OK, now, uh, that's really fantastic. Why? Because when it breaks out, it is just going to break out big time. Meanwhile, volume trends have been bullish. We like to see the volume pick up. OK, uh, that means the stock rallies tends to rally on high volume. Remember, the volume is like a polygraph. It lets you know whether or not a move is telling the truth. There have been a lot of lying moves of late. Then there's the moving average convergence divergence. We always call that the MACD. That's an important momentum indicator that helps charters detect changes in a stock's trajectory before they happen. You, know, you don't need coincidence, right? You need before. In New Pacific's case, the MACD recently gave you a buy signal, right? Probably hard to see. Maybe you have to check my word for it. That's where the black line crosses above the red line. Maybe. All right, and this is one of the most reliable tells out there. Plus, the stock's been able to bounce off its 50-day moving average. Oh, man, do we ever love that? It? It's a blue line. Held it, held it, held it. Well, I think you should have a nice floor of support uh, at down about 7 bucks from here. People, by the way, didn't even like the quarter of Union Pacific. I want them back on. Memo, memo to self. Book Union Pacific. If Union Pacific can break out of its box pattern by closing above 229, he expects the stock to make a run to $250, not so distant future. Remember, they buy back a lot of stock. I, I love these guys. Yeah, listen. Lance Fritz, it's just a really well-run company. All right, next up. Oh, speaking of well-run companies, we can't forget about Nucor, right? That's the best-run steelmaker in the world. I want you to take a gander at the weekly chart here. Obviously, when you spend a trillion dollars upgrading the entire country's infrastructure, well, what happens? It requires a lot of steel. That's insane. It's like a tech stock. It requires a lot of steel. Hence uh, why the stock's been white hot lately. Lang thinks this is a situation where a terrific rally on strong volume is pulling in more and more buyers, even as the stock's already up 133% year to date. Now, this is currently a $124 stock, but Lang can see it going to 150 and then maybe 175 Wow. I think he's right. Fabulous moment for Nucor. They were doing great even when this infrastructure package looked like it was dead in the water. So just imagine how well they do uh, if it passes and just for a little commentary. When Nucor does well, it doesn't do well just for a year. It does well for multiple years. That's been the style. That's been the strategy. Stay long. Finally, this last one might seem out of place. American Tower? Yeah, it's a company that owns wireless towers all over the world. What makes American Tower an infrastructure stock? Okay, as it's currently constructed, the bill is 65 bill for broadband upgrades. And you got to expect a lot of that's going to be in mobile broadband. That means American Tower should be able to cash in on all the spending over the next decade. 
Hey, you know, this one's not so bad. Look at this. Uh, the Daily Chart. Well, American Tower hasn't been a huge winner in the past year. It's one of the strongest performers in the communication space over the last five years. It had a new CEO. Maybe that's what people are worried about. As Lang sees it, this is an amazing chart. Not a lot of worry, candidly. The stock's been consistently strong since bottoming in March, and it bounced back hard every time there's a dip. Not long ago, American Tower pulled back to its 50-day. That's the blue. Right. Moving average. And then it rebounded almost immediately. But it's still got some room. Lang notes the volume trends here have been positive. I question that right at the end, but he says positive. And unlike many of the other infrastructure names, the stock doesn't look overbought relative to the uh, this is the RSI. So it's not over this line that would make it overbought. Last Friday, American Tower closed above its 20 day moving average. And then we got a tiny bit of follow through today at two hundred eighty three dollars. This stock is six bucks away from making a new high. If it can get a little momentum going, Lang thinks it can run to 330 in the relatively near future and then to 350. These are amazing price targets. Here's the, and remember, Lang doesn't fool around. These price targets are not fanciful. The bottom line, even though infrastructure stocks have already run, the charts as interpreted by Bob Lang suggest that many of them could have a lot more upside, especially Martin Mayeri, Union Pacific, Newport, and American Tower. I think he's got a real good point. I'm throwing in John Deere. I think John Deere is going to be amazing. Hey, why don't we go to Eric in Delaware, please? Eric. Uh, booyah, Mr. Kramer. Booyah. Uh, this is Farmer Eric in Delaware. Hi, I would Eric. like your take on MP materials. I'm I'm wondering why they have to continue to ship the raw materials and the rare earth materials to, to China, China and then back to the United States. Well, they're going to change that. They're committed to doing that. Now, I had been critical at one point because they had so much stock for sale, but then they demonstrated to have a good, a good quarter. And if they can bring it back to here, then I think you have to own the stock. $6 billion stock. It is still the best way to play the the market for the kind of materials that we just don't have enough of. How about that? I don't want to call it like a magic materials, but it's, it's let's just put it this way. It is the rare earth play of our rare earth plays. Now, many stocks stand to benefit from the infrastructure bill coming out of Washington, but the chart suggests go for Martin Marietta. Union Pacific, Nucor, and American Tower is the best. And remember, I'm saying Deer's good. Now, much more mint money of one of my absolute favorite companies, from Jim Beam to Pinnacle Vodka. What does the spirits business look like as the Delta variant begins to impact the great reopening? I got the exclusive with the CEO of Suntory. Yeah, the Japanese company. Then, how do you know if the stock price is too high, too low, just right? It's, it's like Goldilocks. I'm giving you my strategy before you make some major moves. I think you're going to like it. Lawyer calls rapid fire tonight's edition of the Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. What happens to the liquor stocks now that the great reopening has been interrupted by the great reinfection? Given that the Delta variant is spreading all over the world, we need a more international view here. I'm talking about the Suntory Group. That's the huge Japanese beverage company. They've got everything from premium liquor brands to beer, wine, brewed teas, bottled water, soda, and energy drinks. Now, Suntory doesn't trade here. One of its subsidiaries does trade in Japan. Last week, they reported their first half results, and they were magnificent. They had 9% revenue growth. Operating income was up 33% year over year. But with the Delta variant totally out of control, can those numbers continue? Or with the new delivery services, will people just drink more at home? Let's dig deeper and talk about the company's incredible green initiatives, too, with Tak Ninami. He's the president and CEO of Suntory Holdings Limited. Mr. Ninami, welcome to Mad Money. Thank you. Having me. Um, uh, how are you, Jim? 
Well, sir, I have to tell you, you have some of my favorite beverages, and I think you probably have the biggest cash cow of ever in liquor, and that is Jim Beam. And I wanted you to start by telling us how well that's selling around the globe because it's universal. Yeah, doing very well. Despite the COVID is still growing around in the world. And the people drink uh, you know, at home as well as the uh, nowadays on-premise activity has been um, you know, resuming because of the rollout of the vaccines. But uh, still, unpredictability um, um, stays in the world and then in the in the, in the, 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 I think that creates uh, still uncertainty toward the future. And uh, so up until now, we have been doing pretty well, but because of uncertainty, we stay very much you know, calm and uh, make every effort to increase uh, our profits and their sales in the world, and not only North America. My concern is Japan, as a matter of fact, because mm-hmm. of the... Uh, very slow rollout of vaccines in this country. Well, is there a chance? See, we have tr- great delivery services now in our country. So if you wanted to order alcohol, DoorDash will bring it to you. Uh, I wonder whether people hunker down in Japan because of the outbreak and drink more of, say, uh, Yamakaze, which is a, amazing. You have some of the best you have the best single malts, sir. I happen to be a big Lafroy fan, but the Japanese single malts, malts are extraordinary. Wouldn't people just have them at home, enjoy them? Well, as a matter of fact, uh, Japan is still under deflationary scenario among consumers. So um, people drink uh, less premium in this country, huh. whereas uh, North America, Europe, um, consumers drink uh, premium spirits at the home. So that's a huge difference. So uh, we want to sell more Yamazaki, and uh, but um, Yamazaki has a kind of supply a limit because we didn't produce more than 15 years ago. So it's a limited supply, by the way. Now, you have taken, I think, a leadership position in environmental issues. I mean, you're doing something that's rather extraordinary. You're targeting 100% renewable electricity, not by 2030 or 2050, but you're talking about doing it by 2022? You, you were only at 30% last year? Well, I, I think that's a, a right move by making use of uh, renewables much more, except maybe Asian countries. That's in question, including Japan, because... Uh, Japan and the Asian countries rely on still um, lots of the uh, uh, coal burn and uh, fuel burn, gas burn uh, electricity. But other than this region, uh, I am very much confident that uh, we can reach the you know neutrality very soon. And, and you- we we have already switched the uh, to the uh, renewables in North America already and uh, Europe. So we've been doing pretty quick to uh, reach out to the goal. And even though I have mostly glass bottles in front of me from your great company, you have taken a leadership role in plastic. Why is that important for you? We are very much concerned about uh, biodiversity in oceans. And uh, that's a key point for us to contribute to the world. 
And we brought the new technologies to resolve a lot of issues of plastics. And uh, not only, you know, by ourselves, we, together with the uh, partners with the, cr across the industry, we want to resolve the uh, plastic issues ASAP. And it costs a lot. But uh, unless we do that, we will be kicked out from consumers, I'm sure. All right, well, I greatly appreciate your company. I did not know, candidly, all that, the, that all these great brands were owned by you. Uh, including Hornitos, by the way, and Salsa, fantastic to fantastic tequilas. But thank you for everything you're doing for the environment, which is really what I'm going to remember Suntory for when I have one of your fine drinks, maybe even later this evening. There is that is Tak Ninami. He's the CEO of Suntory, a great company. Thank you so much, sir, for coming on Mad Money. Yeah. Mad Money's back into the break. Coming up next. Let's make money together. What do we got? Kramer's bringing the thunder and answering your burning questions in today's edition of The Lightning Round. It is time. It's time for The Lightning Round. And then The Lightning Rounds are, are you ready? It's King Dad. It's time for The Lightning Round. Because my start with, uh... Kade in California, or, or Cade. Cade. Yep, Cade. How are you? What's going on? I'm there. More than ever. So uh, with the continued trend of secondhand apparel and retailers running low on stock, are you a long-term buyer of the real real after last week? No, no. Job? As a matter of fact, I am actually, I want to take all these places that do close, let me throw and rent the runway, and start thinking, you know what, we got too many of these guys. Uh I, I just really feel that way. So I'm going to say no to real, real. Uh, even though my wife did the thing. Let's go to Devin in New York, please, Devin. Hey, Kramer. Booyah. 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 What's up? My, my question is about MindMed ticker, MNMD. Psychedelic right. drugs. I thought it had a future, but right now it looks like the past. I am a believer that this is a great spec, okay? Two bucks spec. You can do that. Remember, stocks can go to zero. Let's go to Jeff in Big Missouri. Jeff. Jim, I'm calling about the buy now, pay later company that just think the huge deal with Apple. I'm calling about a firm holding. Look, Ticker I think symbol. Max Levchin is the pioneer in this group. I think if the stock doesn't get higher, he'll sell the darn thing. I like him. I like a firm. I'm a buyer. Now we're going to go to Alicia in Massachusetts. Alicia. Hi, Jim. I love your show. Oh, uh, thank you. about FICO. Uh, why has the share price dropped over $100 since July 23rd and is now a good time to buy it on the well, desk? We now have competitors to Fair Isaac, and I think that that's a problem. There's other companies that are coming into the business, and they've got a better way to do loans, including, yes, Upstart. So I am not a fan of FICO, Fair Isaac. Let's go to Kathy in Washington. Kathy. Yes. This is Jim. Yes. You bet it's Jim more than ever. Okay. I'm a fan of uh, Upwork. I'm an owner of Upwork, and they've been going down for the last couple, last week or two. Right. I'm, I'm wondering if this is a good time to stay invested. Kathy, I actually covered this kind of stock at the top of our show you'll hear tonight. And this is really important. This happens to me exactly. It went out of favor about two weeks ago. But Hayden Brown does not go out of favor. She's extraordinarily good. So I think you should hold it for the long term. 
I'm going to go to Jared in Washington. Jared! Capital, capital booyah to the Gandhi of the guy. I always Jim love a Taylor. good capital booyah. Haven't had one lately. What's going on? Jim, wanted to get your thoughts on Jonathan Rothberg's Butterfly Network. You know, when I first heard about this, I happened to be with a doctor who loves the product, and, and I thought it could be a hit. But you know what? It's just another one of those companies that came at a time when there's too many companies. So I'm going to have to say you just got to wait till people finish selling. And I don't know when that is, but it's certainly not here. Now let's go to Waz in Colorado. Waz. Mr. Kramer. Yes. Uh, this, this signed billions in contracts for their 5G bills. Do you see Eric use his fast D-O-N-X? For deals with other companies to finance the 5G bill. Charlie, I've got a Charlie Ergen runs that Wazways. And I have to tell you, uh, Wazways, sorry. Uh, he is so smart, I would never bet against the guy, even though I can't see a single reason to own the stock other than the fact that Charlie Ergen runs it. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, hot. Mike, make sense of the day's most critical market machinations in no time flat. Stick with Kramer for a special no huddle next. Kramer, you are super. You are awesome. I'm a first time investor. Thank you for inspiring me to get in the game. Your show is the best. I am so glad you're on TV. I want you to know that you have transformed me. Thank you, Kramer. trying to figure out what a stock's worth, you have to ask yourself, what's in the stock and what's not in the company? If you want to pick individual winners, you need to have a view of what a given company can make at any point in the business cycle. So I'm going to give you an example. What's more expensive, NVIDIA, the chip maker that sells for 50 times earnings, or Nucor, the steel maker that sells for six times earnings? At first glance, NVIDIA seems wildly expensive versus Nucor. But when you look deeper, that's actually an illusion. After all, Nucor stock, first of all, just jumped 40% less than a month. There's a lot of good news that's already baked into its share price, right? Meanwhile, NVIDIA's been consistent. I'd like to think there's never enough good news baked into that stock, but that's a little gutsy. The company just does so well, no matter the circumstances. So I often want to take the what's in the stock part off the equation of the, when it comes to NVIDIA. But what about the more important part of the equation? What's in the company? When you see something like NVIDIA selling for 50 times earnings, that usually means when we look back on this moment in the future, the stock will turn out to be cheaper than it seems because the earnings will probably come in better than expected. Historically, NVIDIA tends to look much cheaper than we thought when you look at it through the rearview mirror. I think you will see when the company reports on Wednesday, it's exactly what's going to happen. But Nucor, it's the exact opposite. As a steelmaker, this is a classic boom and bust cyclical, the kind of company that's totally hostage to the strength of the economy. When its stock trades is just six times earnings, that low multiple usually means business is about to fall off a cliff, meaning the stock will end up looking expensive in retrospect. If steel prices collapse, the real multiple could be 20 times earnings. Now, if Nucor wants such a well-run company, then the risk would be even worse, which is the situation for the highly levered Cleveland Cliffs. And remember, I 
I think that the new core stock price doesn't adequately reflect the infrastructure bill. I expect an up year for this. So, in other words, what's, what the company can do has been extended by the infrastructure bill. Now, there are all sorts of judgments you can make using this kind of thinking. The banks all have low multiples, but they can be very deceptive, too. I know many think Morgan Stanley's stock has gotten ahead of itself. It's up 51% for the year. It trades at 14 times earnings. I look at it differently. To me, Morgan Stanley is no longer a traditional investment bank. It's more of a wealth advisor for all sorts of demographics. That's a better business than banking. By comparison, the other big investment bank, Goldman Sachs, now sells for just seven times earnings, even as it's up 55% for the year. Yep, seven times earnings. Isn't that just like Nucor? The low multiple reflects a belief that business will be worse next year. Could be. Might be a bargain. Or how about construction? Deer and Caterpillar both traded 21 times earnings. But I'd rather have Deer. Remember, uh, Bob Lang said that's the better chart. But why? Because in, beyond infrastructure, it's got agriculture, which is a great business thanks to expanded food stamps and high grain prices. Caterpillar's got mining. It's very strong right now. And infrastructure, too. But that last quarter simply wasn't up to snuff. If there's a downturn, Cat will probably get hurt worse than Deer. When you do this exercise, you're really trying to figure out what to, what to avoid. The kind of stock that looks cheap now, but will prove to be very expensive when we look back on this moment 12 months from now. Hey, Micron stock looks so cheap, right? Turned out to be expensive as the earnings look to be peaking. At the same time, we're also bargain hunting at all time. Looking for stocks that seem pricey, but will turn out to be good values when the earnings come in better than expected. So think about that before you buy or sell anything. You don't want to throw away a perfectly good stock just because it's got a high price to earnings multiple. At this point in the business cycle, I'd be more worried if its price to earnings multiple is low. On the whole, the market's not that stupid. So when a stock looks very cheap, it's probably cheap for a reason. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to try to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.